Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. We are, uh, our 21 days of prayer and fasting um, so far this last week in my own life has been pretty incredible. And so it's not too late to start. Come on, it's not too late to start. And so I want to encourage you to keep on going. God wants to speak something to you in this season. He wants to transform your life. He wants to do something new. And sometimes it requires us to take a stop in our life and say, okay, God, I've tried everything else. Now I'm going to try this whole fasting thing. And, um, and we really pray you would do that with us. So come on, we're going to get into the Word today. Uh, I am really excited to preach today. The last two weeks we've been talking about um, uh, I've been talking about prayer, obviously, church is time to pray, but I've been doing more of a teaching, uh, looking at scripture, and today I wanted to, I felt like the Lord gave me a word back on Wednesday during our, our we have a prayer time on Wednesday morning, and God just dropped a scripture on my heart and kind of just gave me a thought real quick, and so this is a little bit more today um, of a prophetic message for you, a prophetic word for your life. Uh, my heart would be to uh, increase your faith today. My heart would be that you would, uh, that you would have a, a fresh uh, a, a belief that God can do the impossible, uh, a belief that God wants to do something great in your life, that the things that you're asking for and praying for and believing for, that God's going to do it. And I, I want to I just encourage you today. And so this message today is, is meant to be an encouraging uh, preaching thought for you, a prophetic thought for you in your life as you fast for uh, 21 days with us. And, and even if you're not fasting, to believe that God's going to do something significant in your life. And so I want to talk today about how when you and I face natural problems, there's many different ways that we can respond. You know, we can respond all sorts of ways to the, the, the it seems like, never-ending tunnel of uh, Calgary restrictions. <laughs> you know, we can respond all sorts of ways to job losses and challenges in our lives and sickness and discouragement and depression and all of these things that we have, all of these things that impact our natural world. We have all sorts of ways to respond naturally in very unhealthy ways, in normal, uh, you know, just isolating yourself or not responding correctly or not leaning into relationships or whatever it might be, uh, we all have natural ways to respond to the natural things that happen in our life. But I want to show you today, uh, very simply, I'm going to give you a simple message today, that prayer and worship all throughout Scripture are combined in Scripture as a way for you and I to increase our faith. It's a way for you and I to uh, have the Holy Spirit fill our lives. It's a way for you and I to respond in a supernatural way, a very simple, supernatural response to a natural issue in your life, big or small. And so uh, I want you to know today that today's message isn't, uh, if you've read the Bible at all, you'll know. It's not revelatory based on the fact you don't know it. It's revelatory based on the fact that if you try to actually do it, something supernatural is going to happen in your life. There's a big difference between things that we know and things that God's called us to do. And I want to tell you today, God's calling you to do this. Thank you, sir. Is it working? Oh, fantastic. Okay. So come on, let's get into it today. I want to jump into a story at Acts chapter 16. Turn in your Bibles there, Acts chapter 16, verses uh, 15, and um, we're going to get right into this today. Uh, so the premise of the story is that Paul, the Apostle Paul and Silas were, uh, in, uh, it, were, were in this town. They were walking around. They were, you know, just sharing Jesus. They had just uh, kind of started a church by a girl, gave her life to the Lord. She overheard Paul and Silas talking. 
and she said, hey, like, I hear what you're talking about, and uh, I, I want to know more about that. And so they ended up giving their, she gave her life to God, and the church kind of started there on that day, and, and it was pretty incredible. And then here they are walking through the town, and while they're walking through this town, all of a sudden, this young girl starts walking by them, and she starts yelling at, at Paul and Silas. And she starts just yelling out, declaring all these things about them. And this young girl was a fortune teller. She was a psychic. She was a tarot card reader. She, she was someone who would, by divination, give people their future. The Bible says that she was filled with a demonic spirit. And so all these tourists would come and they would, you know, kind of like those tricks, you know, they would come by and say, oh, let me tell your future and let me tell you about what's going to happen next in your life. And they'd bring them into their tent and they would read their palms. I just got to say it today that just so you know, this girl's filled with a demon. <laughs> it's a demonic thing that she's doing. And so she's walking behind Paul and Silas and it says she followed Paul and the rest of us. So there must have been a bunch of folks there shouting. These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. Now, this totally irritated Paul. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was a church planner going into a city and there was a girl walking behind me proclaiming that everything I'm saying is true, I would just kind of let her go. It's free publicity, you know? It's free marketing, you know what I mean? As a church planner, you're poor. You're like, I'll take anything, you know? So this girl's behind you, walking behind him, declaring that these guys are, you know, they're telling you the way to be saved. And this drove Paul nuts. Paul got so frustrated. It says that she kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed. This is so funny. It's like he came so annoyed that he cast a demon out. You know, it's like <laughs> so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. Wow. Now, come on. I don't know about you, but when you're annoyed, I often, whenever I'm annoyed, I probably turn to my carnal side, you know? <laughs> this guy's annoyed, and he cast out a demon. He cast a demon out of this girl. And this, this very action caused a lot of problems. Paul and Silas were just literally walking down the road. This girl was irritating. She was yelling at the top of her lungs. Oh my gosh, be quiet. In the name of Jesus Christ, spirit come out of her. The spirit comes out of her. This girl is made whole. She's completely back to her normal state. She goes back to her employer. Hey, this guy, this guy prayed for me and now I'm not tormented by this spirit in my life and hey, I guess I can't work for you anymore. And this boss got so upset because this is one of the ways he made his money. So he gathered all the, the, the different business owners who were doing the same thing together. And it said he gathered them and he went out and he went and grabbed Paul and Silas and he grabbed them and he brought them to the market square and he brought them in front of the, the magistrate to those who settled uh, the affairs of the city. Brought it before him and said, these guys cast a spirit out of this girl and now my business is ruined. This guy's ruined my business forever. What are we going to do about it? And all of a sudden the scripture said, that a mob quickly formed. Like, what's happening here? Paul and Silas are walking down the road, just doing their thing. Paul has the audacity to cast a demon out of a girl, and it goes from bad to worse. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them to be stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into the prison. The scripture says that the jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So now they go from walking down the road to casting out a demon to brought in front of the magistrates. A huge mob comes. From the, you don't even see Paul and Silas saying any words. 
They didn't, it wasn't like they argued their case. They got stripped, they got beaten with wooden rods, they got thrown into jail so that they couldn't escape. They had no idea when they were going to get out of this. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet with stalks. This is a rough situation. <laughs> this is a hard situation. They were stripped. They were beaten with wooden rods. They were thrown in the inner, du inner dungeon. They were, they were experiencing tremendous challenge in their life. They'd been beaten. They had no way out of the situation they were in. And they were overwhelmed with the burden of being strapped to the ground. This is a rough situation. And as I read this today, the Holy Spirit just put on my heart to ask this question. Those of you who are watching today, maybe you're here today and you're facing a similar situation. You say, Ryan, I'm not getting beat by wooden rods and thrown in the inner dungeon. No, but maybe, maybe you feel a bit beaten down in this season. Maybe you're feeling like, man, I don't even know why this happened to me. Why do I feel like I'm being tormented by these discouraging thoughts? Why am I experiencing constant difficulty being beaten down by the enemy of my soul? Why does it feel like my finances are constantly just beating me down, weighing heavy on my life? It feels like one thing after the other in my life. Or maybe you're in a season where you feel like you're in an inner dungeon. You're stuck and there's no way out. Maybe it's a broken relationship that you can't seem to reconcile or maybe you don't know how to proceed or there, there's a, there, uh, in your life or there's a job or, or, or that, you, that you feel overwhelmed in and you're feeling like you're stuck in that situation and there's literally no way out. Or maybe you're burdened and shackled by sin in your life. Maybe you, you have a habitual sin that you've been dealing with. Maybe it's just as basic as not trusting in the Lord. Maybe it's a sin or a sickness in your life pornography or overspending or maybe you get angry or maybe it's alcoholism or maybe it's on the larger scope where you've been chained and you've been shackled and you're in the season of your life during this new 2021 and you say, man, I thought this year was going to be better and now you're like, I don't know what's going to happen this year. It feels like it's not any better. It feels like a continuation of 2020. And now I don't even have any hope for my future. I feel stuck. I feel beaten down. I feel shackled. And I don't know what to do. And it says in the scripture that around midnight, this idea of midnight speaks to the idea that when, when, when things got at their worst, when it was the, the middle of the night, they were in the middle of their situation, the middle of the season of their life, the middle of the moment where I just don't know if I can take this job another day, the middle of the moment where I don't know if I can be in this relationship for one more hour. The, 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 the finances are so hard. And I just, in the middle of my moment, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to turn. I'm so frustrated with what's going on. In the middle of the night, at midnight, they were in this season. Right. My question for you today is, when you feel this way, how do you cope? How do you deal? How do you face your situations? Do you have moments where you turn to the Lord and moments where you turn to social media or moments where you trust in God and moments where you don't? And when you're in the middle of the moment and you're facing the difficulty in your life and things don't look like they're turning up and things don't look like they're going forward and you feel burdened, how do you respond in the natural realm? What is your go-to in your life? How do you respond? And we have this story where the, Paul the Apostle, I mean, Paul the Apostle wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He must be a pretty spiritual dude. This guy was a follower of God. And here he is. He truly had done nothing wrong. He cast out a demon out of a girl. It feels like unfair consequences. And you might be asking God, really? <laughs> like, really, God? Is this the result that he gets for helping someone get set free from a demonic oppression in their life? 
God, this doesn't make any sense. Why would you do this? There was a lot of room for Paul and Silas to have an unholy natural response to this moment. It would have been really easy for these guys to just say, whatever, God, or this is so frustrating, or to allow the tension of the moment and the, the, the physical ailments and the internal ailments bring them to a place where they don't respond to what the, how the Bible teaches us to respond. I would honestly give Paul and Silas a little bit of a pass and say, okay, guys, you don't obey the Bible today. I get it. You were beaten with wooden rods, naked in front of a bunch of people. How do you respond when things don't go the way you want them to go? How do you respond when you face seasons like this? And I want you to know that the Bible teaches us how to have a supernatural response to the natural difficulties in our life. So here's these guys beaten. They, they were, throw, they were wrong, you know, really wrongfully accused on some level. Paul is a Roman citizen, and so they didn't know that. And so here he gets thrown in jail and he's a Roman citizen, and so that could have gotten worse. He could have said that, hey, I'm a, I'm a Jew. They could have, he could have done all sorts of things, but this is what the verse says they did. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. So we, I know you might read this and say, oh, is that it? Is that the punchline? It's the punchline. This might seem so simple to you. This might seem like elementary teachings, and why can't we get to the deeper stuff? We need to learn that this is a supernatural biblical response to every single natural situation that you are facing, big or small. You may be hearing this today and you say, Ryan, you don't know my situation. You don't know what I'm going through. I don't for one moment believe that if I sing and pray when I'm in a difficult circumstance that God's going to do anything. There must be more than this. I'm here to tell you today, God makes it so easy. All you have to do is open your mouth and say, God, I need you. Come on, you're a whole Holy God, I love you, Jesus. Great is your name, oh God. I want to tell you, something happens in your faith. Something happens in your spirit. Something happens in your situation. Something happens in your life. When you begin to respond supernaturally to the natural circumstances that you face in your life. So look what he says. They sing hymns to God. This idea of singing hymns to God uh, is something that Paul taught. It's the idea of celebrating God. It's the idea of magnifying God. And Paul taught about this idea. This, this word means to magnify God through songs of praise, to make God big through songs of praise. When you magnify something, you take something that's small and you make it big. When you magnify it, it becomes big. Most of us, me included, when we have a natural situation in our life, we look at the problem and we choose to magnify the problem. We choose to magnify the financial need. We choose to magnify the fear. We choose to magnify the discouragement. We choose to magnify all the different things that we're facing in our life, the the trials and the tribulations. And how we need to respond is we need to magnify God. Make God bigger. Make God larger. Make God bigger than the situation that we're facing by worshiping him. And Paul teaches us this. Look what he says. I read this yesterday on our live stream at at 12 o'clock with my friend Andrew over there. Uh, Do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery. So anyone says, is it okay for me to get drunk with wine? Well, the Bible says no, so don't do it, okay? But look what he says. Be filled with the Spirit. Now, this is really interesting because Paul says, he, he says, don't respond by turning to other things. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Respond by being filled 
with the Spirit. And then he tells us how to be filled with the Spirit. He says, address one another. Now notice, this is a corporate thing. You say, Ryan, we don't really need to gather on Sundays. Well, the Bible here says that we do. Because what happens when we address one another in Psalms, which is the Psalms of the Bible, in hymns, man-made songs, man-written songs like we sang today, and spiritual songs, spontaneous songs that we sing on our own, what we do to one another is when we begin to address one another by singing Psalms like we did today, there's a few people in the room, we begin to lift our hands, we begin to sing back and forth, what happens? My faith begins to rise in my spirit that God is holy and God is righteous. Why? Because biblically, we are filled with the spirit when we're in a group of, around a group of people and we begin to declare out loud, my God is bigger than the situation that I'm facing in my life right now. And what happens is, as Andrew looks at me and says, yeah, you know what? I believe that, right? Come on. My God's bigger. And his faith is encouraged and his spirit is filled. Why? Because he addressed one another in the corporate gathering of believers and we encourage one another. But not only that, look what it says, to sing and make melody to the Lord with your heart. So there is a supernatural response through singing when you're driving in your car and you had a fight with your boss and he's making you do things you don't want to do and he's coming down hard on you because you're not making enough money and you're feeling discouraged. You turn up the radio, Waymaker, Miracle Worker. I'm singing, a, I'm singing right now a hymn, a light in the darkness. Or I say, God, you're holy, God. Worthy is your name, O oh Lord. A spiritual song. What I'm doing is I'm saying, Holy Spirit, I want you to fill me. I'm responding spiritually, supernaturally to a natural situation, and God does something in your life, in your spirit. He fills you with faith. He fills you with the spirit, and something transforms in your life. I'm telling you, something transforms in your heart. So in the deepest, darkest prison that you're facing, we need to understand that prayer is directly connected to worship. Prayer and worship are connected. When you begin to worship, it leads you into prayer. When you begin to pray, it leads you into worship. And so when you begin to worship the Lord, you're going to find you're going to self-start to talk out loud and talk to the Lord. Now, many theologians believe that Paul and Silas were singing a Jewish thing called the great halal, the great abandonment of worship. And if you're taking notes, Psalms 113 to Psalms 118, comma, Psalms 136 are the great halal scriptures. And look, look what they were saying to one another. They were encouraging each other. It says, out of the deep anguish and pain, I prayed, oh God, you helped me as a father. You came to my rescue and broke open the way into a beautiful and broad place. Now I know, Lord, that you are for me. They're in the deep prison, in the dungeon. Now I know, Lord, that you're for me. I'm in a dark, dank prison with, with, with shackles on my feet. Now I know, God, that you are for me and I will never fear what man can do to me. For you stand beside me as my hero and, and who rescues me. And I've seen with my own eyes the defeat of my enemies. I've triumphed over them all. Theologians believe that this is what they were singing and praying out loud. And when they did that, their faith was being stirred and the Holy Spirit was filling them. And God was saying, it's going to be okay. I've got a purpose and a plan for this. But they didn't just worship. The scripture also says, I'm going to read this last part of Psalms 118 that I didn't put up here. Look at this. Lord, it is so much better to trust in you to save me than to put my confidence in someone else. <laughs> but not only that, they didn't just worship, they prayed. This word prayer here is a really interesting word. It actually is the idea of like, it actually speaks to the idea of a worshipful focus on God. 
This word means to humbly beg for something, to consciously speak out, to consciously speak out with a, with a loud, definite aim, to talk to God about, about your hopes and wishes, to wish for something and then make a vow. It's very fascinating. The same Hebrew word is used in the book of Jonah. And in the book of Jonah, when he's in the middle, he's in the belly of a fish. From inside the fish, Jonah, there's the word, prayed to the Lord, his God. But I, God, in the belly of a fish, shouts of grateful praise will sacrifice to you what I have vowed. So here's this connection to vowing. Listen, God, what I vowed, I'm going to make good. I will say to the people of Nineveh that I'm running from salvation, I'm going to say it, Lord. I'm going to go and fulfill your purposes. God, if you can just get me out of this dungeon, I want to make a commitment to you that I'm going to do what you've asked me to do. Because sometimes the Lord allows us to sit in a dungeon to check the motive of our heart. And he wants to know, hey, you made a commitment to follow me. Even when things don't go great for you, even when things don't pan out like you hoped, do you mean what you vowed when you said, Jesus, I give you my life? So what this type of prayer is this sense of God I want to go back to my commitment to you, my first love. I'm going to make a commitment once again that my marriage is going to be committed to you. God, if you could just help me through this situation, I want to make you a promise through this marriage relationship. I'm going to be faithful to my wife, God. I'm going to make that commitment once again to you. It's this idea of praying to one another and praying to God with a vow saying, God, I'm going, to, I'm going to hope and wish that this will happen, God. God, so I want to pray to you and I want to worship to you. That's a supernatural response to a natural situation. So let's go back into our story. Paul and Silas are sitting with their feet shackled in in the innermost dungeon, they, they've been beaten, they've got bloody wounds, they're, they're, they're stripped down naked, and all of a sudden, Paul leans over to Silas, hey, hey, Si, hey, Si, you know, I've spent a lot of time walking around, writing letters, teaching the church about this idea of how to respond in situations like this. I mean, you know, honestly, like, I think we should try it. And Silas like, oh, listen, Paul, I get it, you know, but like, it's a bit awkward right now. Like, I'm, I'm naked and I'm bleeding. And like, you know, there's, I know there's other prisoners here listening. And, and I mean, I know what to do, but... I, what if someone hears me? Or what if, what, if, what if it doesn't sound very good when it comes out? Or what if it looks foolish? Or, you know, Paul says, listen, all throughout the Old Testament, Silas, this is what's been taught. Jesus taught this. And now I'm trying to teach the churches that this is how we respond. And so I got to be good on my word, Silas. I got, I've been preaching it. Now I got to practice it. He says, okay, oh, fine. All of a sudden, Paul says, okay, let, let me just lead you, Silas, because I know you've got a terrible voice. So listen, waymaker, maker. Miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who, come on, Silas, join in, I'm not going to do this alone, that is who you are, all of a sudden, Silas says, okay, all right, man, dear Lord, I just pray right now, Lord, we love you, we want to say thank you, God, would you be glorified through this situation, I literally have no clue what happened, God, last time I remember Paul was casting out a demon, and now I've been beaten by wooden rods, and I'm sitting in a dark prison, but Lord, I don't know what to do. And Paul chimes in, yes, Lord, I just 
want to say right now, thanks that the beating didn't hurt as much as I thought it would, God. Thank you, God, that there's power in prayer. I remember, didn't the half-brother of James say that Elijah was a man just like me and he can pray powerful prayers? God, we're praying powerful prayers right now. Silas chimes in, yeah, that's right, God. I can't believe you called Elijah that. You must be able to call me. Come on, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. And around midnight as they were worshiping and seeing, suddenly... Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. And the jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. He was suicidal because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. And the jailer called for the lights and ran to the dungeon and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And he gave his life to the Lord and his wife gave her life to the Lord and his children gave their lives to the Lord and their grandparents gave their lives to the Lord and their uncles and their aunts gave their life to the Lord and they were water baptized and a massive revival moved in this jailer's life all because this guy cast a demon and he says you know what I'm going to respond the Bible way I'm going to lift my hands and exalt Jesus something supernatural happened in that moment see I want to speak to you today about this suddenly moment because I've been thinking about this a lot this word suddenly was used 160 67 times in the Bible. I have just been feeling in my heart as I've been praying for you that there are some in this season who are a little bit cynical about suddenly moments. You've been praying and you've been asking and you've been believing. And he says, you know what? This time around, I've done it so much. God's never answered my prayer. I am here to tell you today, God does not delay on his promises. Our God does not delay. He is right on time. He wants to do a suddenly moment in your life. He wants to heal you suddenly. He wants to redeem you suddenly. He wants to transform you suddenly. He wants to cause a situation that you're facing to suddenly transform. He wants to do something great in your life in this season. I want to camp on this for a moment because you might be asking God, when are my children going to come back to the Lord? God, when are you going to heal my body? God, when are you going to take away my anxiety? I want you to know, I know it doesn't make sense to you, but you need to hear this today. Our God does not delay. He is right on time. And you're in this season wondering, God, I want a suddenly moment in my life. I want you to begin to ask God, God, will you do a suddenly moment in my life? I'm facing a difficult situation and I need your grace in my life. I need you to come right now and do a suddenly moment. I want to believe today that as you pray and as you worship, and as you exalt the name of Jesus, all of a sudden, he's going to heal your body right in your house. Come on, he's going to restore your marriage right in your house. He's going to provide for your finances right in your house. Yeah, I want you to hear me today. We live in a practical world and a a healthy church where we don't just believe that just because you ask God to do it, he's going to do it. But I also want you to remember that our God is a miracle-working God. That he is a way maker, that he is a promise keeper, that our God does do the supernatural in your life. Now, I can't hear you shouting out, uh, online, but can I hear the people in the room shout for a minute? Do you believe what I'm saying to you today? That we su- serve a supernatural God who does miracles in your life and he wants to do it suddenly. He wants to do it now. He wants to bring results in your life now. You say, Ryan, that's not for me. It is for you. I know you've been praying that he wants to heal your body, but come on, he wants to heal your body. 
I know you've been asking God if you're going to bring restoration to my relationship. God, are you going to provide for my finances? I want to tell you, suddenly, he wants to do that in your life. I just have a, a frivolous example, frivolous, frivolous example. My wife... Uh, uh, in December, my wife doesn't get paid for, for two weeks out of the month. It's about $1,000 that we go missing in December and during the summer. And I, I just, we prayed. I said, Lord, I need you to provide $1,000. Now I'm thinking, I don't know how it's going to happen, but I'm thinking, okay, God, you're going to do this, but I don't think you're going to do it very suddenly. We went on a walk. I came back for the walk, and there was someone standing on my door with an envelope with $1,000 bills in it. And they said, here you go. I felt the Lord wanted me to give this to you. 1000 bucks. Exactly the money I asked for. Now, I'm not saying that if we ask God to do it, he's going to do it. I want you to hear me. I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel where you get in and rub the genie lamp and you get what you want. But I want you to know God also still does miraculous working suddenly moments in our world today. He does. He is a supernatural God, and he wants to move supernaturally in your life. I want you to notice something. It says that there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundation. Don't you think that if there was a massive earthquake that it would have destroyed everything? I want to tell you that when God comes to shake you up in this season, He comes to cause an earthquake in all of your situations. He wants to shake up your life. But He doesn't want to do it to harm you. He wants to do it to open a door. He wants to do it to break a chain off of your life. And He wants to do it to bring lost people saved around you. He doesn't leave you in the season where he shakes up your life. Or, God, what are you doing in our finances? God, what are you doing in, my, in these relationships? God, what are you doing in the world today? You think, God, what is going on? Listen, he does not come to shake up your life, to leave you high and dry. He comes to shake up the foundations of your situation to make you whole. You might think, God, if I ask you to mess me up, if I ask you to change me, if I ask you to transform me, God, does this mean my life's going to be a wreck? No, no, no. He wants to come and set you free. This is what he wants to do. God wants to move ahead of you. It says he opened a door. Every door was open in that prison. I believe there's some of you here today that have been praying for an open door. Today is a day when the Lord wants you to know that God wants to move ahead of you. If you simply respond supernaturally by praying and worship, worshiping to the Lord, he wants to open a door. Some of you have been praying for God to open a door, a door of relationship. You're single and you're lonely. You say, God, I want to be married. Come on. The Lord wants to open a door for you. Job opportunities, ministry opportunities. Come on. I am not a prosperity, prosperity gospel preacher, but I want to speak to those in the church today who have lost their faith in a miracle working God. All we have to do is respond with a song, respond and praise and worship and prayer to God. Say, God, I don't understand what's going on. And guess what he does? God moves ahead of you. God moves in you. He wants to break the chains off of your life. He wants to break addiction off of your life. Come on, he wants to break habits off of your life. Come on, he wants to break the things in your life that have been holding you back. He wants to bring a revelation of who he is. Many of you here today are watching and you're a follower of Jesus. You know Jesus but you've never experienced a revelation of him. He wants to break off addiction, sexual addiction, addiction to finances, addiction to money, addiction to ourselves, addiction to fear, addiction to alcohol, addiction to being a victim. He wants to break addiction, chains, depression, discouragement, anxiety, fear. He wants to break it off of your life in the season. Hear my voice today. If you simply ask God 
He's a faithful God. You pray and seek my face and turn from your wicked ways. I will hear your prayers and I will hear your land. God wants to move in you. And lastly, God wants to move all around you. Come on, we want to believe that there's there's going to be salvation. People are going to come to you and say, how can I be saved? Man, God's opened doors for you and he's worked in you. And yeah, when when your life started shaking up, I was like, whoa, what's going on? He says, I know it feels like my life looks completely different, but he didn't do this to hurt me. He did this for my benefit. He allowed me to be in this dungeon for a season for a benefit of my life because God wanted to work in me. God wanted to work ahead of me and God wanted to work around me. And now people are going to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ all because you prayed and you worshiped. (laughs) Ryan, it can't be that simple. It is. It can't be that easy, Ryan. Really? Yeah. God honors a broken and a contrite heart. Look what the scripture says. It's my last verse of the day. But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. This is what I believe about worship and prayer. And I'm going to speak for myself. Want to know why sometimes I don't respond in worship and prayer? Because I'm being prideful. I'm afraid of what people are going to think of me. Ryan, will you pray for me? Sure, I'll pray for you. And then I go home and I never pray for him. No, it doesn't happen all the time. Don't worry. You're like, oh, all those prayers. <laughs> Pride keeps us from doing the only supernatural thing that will bring transformation in our world. Pride. And the Bible here says that he shows favor. He gives grace to the humble. So when you ask the Holy Spirit, all right, Lord, it sounds foolish, God, but I need you. God, I just, I just need you, Lord. I need you, Lord Jesus. Your way is awesome, God. Oh, God, would you move in this situation right now? I don't know what's going on right now. God, I love you, Lord. See, I'm sitting in front of a bunch of people and online. I'm just trying to die to my pride right now. And what happens is I just begin to feel the Holy Spirit fill me. I begin to feel fresh faith. Come on, he begins to cause things to happen ahead of me, opens doors for me. Come on, he begins to cause something to happen in me. He begins to change my heart and my life. And he begins to touch people around me that I've been praying for. Salvation begins to happen in the lives of people. Why? Because they see something happen in your life. Come on, let me pray for you. Father, we just pray. Father, firstly, we just pray, Lord, that we would learn that, Father, this isn't an interesting God that's something so simple. The enemy wants to keep us in a place where we just question the simplicity of this thing. He wants to keep us in a place, oh, yeah, right. (laughs) That doesn't work. The devil wants to keep us small-minded. He wants us to magnify the natural problem rather than magnifying the solution, Jesus. And so today, Father, we just say, Lord, would you teach us to be people of prayer? Would you teach us to be people of worship? Let us be like Paul and Silas, that when we're facing whatever situation we're facing today, that God, that we would just come to our senses and we would begin to magnify you. We begin to worship, we begin to pray, and you begin to move in a mighty, mighty way in our midst. Lord, we love you. We pray you bless every person who's watching today. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, amen. Come on, if you need prayer, you can send a prayer request to prayer at lovecitychurch.ca. We'd love to pray for you. Join us every day at noon as we just seek God's face together from 12 to 1230, Facebook Live, YouTube Live. And we're going to watch Pastor Jesse and our kids video right now. Come on, I love you guys. Have a great day. 
Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.